Everyone knows you can't trust the media anymore, but how bad is it, and what can you do about it? Find out in today's Out of My Mind podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby Out of My Mind. This is podcast 032, podcast 32, where we have a biblical conversation about the crazy world in which we live. So join us over the next 20 to 25 minutes or so as we provide you a bird's eye view perspective of some complex issue confronting our culture, the church, and you as we apply God's word to make sense of it all. At the end of the podcast, we'll point you to additional resources just in case you'd like to dig a little bit deeper on our podcast resource page. In the meantime, let's get started. All right. So when you choose this title, Media Lies, it seems like there's almost a double meaning there. The media lies, like saying that the media lies, and there's lies that the media tells. Yeah, it's both and. Today what we're going to talk about is how the media habitually lies these days, and that's why no one really trusts them anymore like they used to. Think about some of the images you've seen with uh, CNN covering the mostly peaceful protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin, while in the background rioters are burning most of downtown to the ground, and yet they say mostly peaceful protest. It would be laughable if it weren't so tragic. Then there's the New York Times talking about all the police officers killed in the Capitol riots and Officer Sicknick lying in state in the Capitol building, and it turns out that he likely died of a stroke a day later and not of his so-called injuries, and they had to print a very quiet retraction in the New York Times because they had used unconfirmed sources. And the fact is, no police officers died during the Capitol riots. My favorite in recent days is a so-called hard news story from CNN's Devon Cole, where he made a remark that there is no consensus among professionals about how to determine a baby's gender at birth. Now, everybody jumped on that idea of his because it's so ridiculous. And even if you buy into the full transgender thing, that's less than 1% of the population. So there is a consensus, and everybody knows that. And the list is almost endless. Another favorite of mine was the Washington Post ran a story that was part of the evidence in President Trump's impeachment trial about a threatening phone call he made to an investigator uh, working in the state of Georgia to check into voter fraud. And according to the Washington Post story, he pressured the uh, investigator to find something. And the reality is, it just wasn't so, but they were quoting this anonymous source. It's interesting that you say an anonymous source. So there was only one source for that one? That's right. There was a single anonymous source who they did not fact check. They did not verify or confirm the story. They just ran with it. The trouble for the Washington Post was that the Wall Street Journal later obtained a copy of a recording of the actual phone call, and there was no pressure of any kind. The Washington Post printed a retraction but left the original headline to the bogus news article and put the retraction as like an opening preface or paragraph to the story, and so they sort of tried to cover their tracks. The Washington Post only retracted their story because the Wall Street Journal was going to run its own story, and one wonders if the Post would have even done that if they had not been threatened by the journal's disclosure. But that's the way it went. So I think even with understanding the media bias that there is around today, one would like to think that especially an incident like this would be pretty isolated and not something that's so prevalent. Uh, And so what would be the takeaway from something like this? 
I think the takeaway is that these are not exceptions. These are more and more the rule. Traditional, sometimes called legacy media, more and more displays an undeniable bias. Rather than reporting news, it simply editorializes. The, the mainstream media has a worldview and reports that worldview as news, editing out or shadow banning or suppressing different views. Don't forget what happened to the New York Times when they ran an editorial by uh, Senator Tom Cotton, a conservative, about using the National Guard to stop some of these riots. There was a revolt by the millennial-aged reporters, the New York Times, and the New York Times, again, this is an editorial, this is an opinion piece. They hated the opinion piece. They thought the opinion piece had no place in the New York Times, so they pressured the publisher to fire a key member of the editorial board. And so they fired James Bennett. They forced him to resign. And then they published almost an apology. Now, having con different points of view on your editorial page is a common practice for newspapers. But the New York Times said, and I quote, last week we saw a significant breakdown in our editing process, not the first we've experienced in recent years. And they went on to say that they talked to, they talked to uh, James Bennett and it was agreed that he could not continue to lead the team through the next leg of change required. Now I want you to think about this. So it's like these 20-something-year-old reporters decided they didn't like Tom Cotton's article and so they asked for a member of the editorial board to be fired because they didn't like what he wrote. But that's what editorials are, opinion pieces. So here we are at this peculiar place where there's only one point of view. Yeah, I think this, um, in conjunction with, with some other things going on, I don't know if you've heard the the whole controversy surrounding, uh, I guess, Lester Holt, the guy who uh, replaced one of my childhood favorites uh, in NBC Nightly News, Tom Brokaw. Uh, he came out and he said... Uh, Essentially, that fairness is not something that the the media needs to be invested in anymore. And he went on to explain his thought process there, and that you know there's two sides of every argument, but sometimes one side is just so wrong that it doesn't deserve to be brought forward because it's just wrong. And you know he used an analogy. I think he said we all know that the sun sets in the West and that's a fact and anything counter to that, we don't need to, to air that opinion. However, I think what we're seeing here and I think what's so disappointing is that this media establishment seems to be becoming the arbiter of truth. They, be, they seem to be coming and saying, yes, we're not going to air these other opinions because we don't think that they're true. Yeah, what they're doing is this, you know, they're saying the, these are all opinions and we're dealing in facts, but that's just not true. What they're doing more and more is anything that they don't like, they label as misinformation and they silence it. And this philosophy taints everything that the mainstream media is doing these days. And that's why they're no longer credible or reliable. Yeah, I mean, this is we saw this with uh, as we talked about last week with uh, Chris Cuomo and all the reporting that he did from quarantine. And then uh, it turned out that uh, he wasn't really quarantining that well at all. No, I, you know, it, it, exactly right, Mark. His so-called broadcast, I think, from his basement were reported as hard news. And now we find out that he was out and about, that he wasn't really quarantining. And he was confronted by a man with a camera. And what it ends up being is just a kind of entertainment. And then, you know, he does all these uh, so-called interviews with his brother, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, 
which are simply PR pieces, and now we're finding out that they both were abusing their privileges in, in their respective positions and that they are toxic. And CNN is now taking a, a hit to its credibility, which in my opinion was already questionable at best. So I guess a question for you, Keith, um, is how did it get so bad and, and when did it really get so bad? Well, the reality is, Mark, is that this is nothing new. Um, this has been going on for a long, long time. A lot of it escaped the attention of the public because years ago, there weren't alternatives to the media. There wasn't an internet. There were not handheld cameras in people's phones and things like this. And let me give an example of some of the things that took place, shall we say, before your time. Uh, let me just focus on one in particular. NBC News ran a story on General Motors trucks and their so-called exploding gas tanks. It was picked up by other media and reported, and the media then is reporting on reports by other media. That's called circular reporting, and so they start quoting each other. And this was a public relations disaster for General Motors. Uh, they had this story where uh, the NBC crashed this truck to show how the gas tanks would explode, and sure enough, the gas tanks exploded and engulfed the vehicle in flames. And that the news show, I think it was Dateline with Jane Pauley and Stone Phillips, ended up winning a very prestigious Peabody Award for investigative journalism, which they had to return within two weeks of receiving the award. Okay, so why did they have to return that? Because they put explosive charges in the gas tank to make them explode on camera. And GM caught them, GM sued them, and NBC had to retract to avoid further litigation. But you know what? The damage to GM was done. Yeah, it, that actually sounds like a pretty recent example. Um, I think 60 Minutes just aired this segment on uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida, the governor of Florida down there. And they were basically inferring that DeSantis has taken this huge contribution to his to his political action committee of $100,000 from Publix. And because of that donation, he awarded Publix the ability to give out uh, vaccines for, for coronavirus. But the reality was that he that it had nothing to do with the, the donation. It had everything to do with the fact that DeSantis was already using CVS and Walgreens to distribute those vaccines to the uh, long-term care facilities and do that. And he needed to expedite the way that the vaccine was getting out amongst the, the other general public that's not in long-term care facilities. And so he went to the uh, mayor and the people in the county there, I think it was in Palm Beach County. Um, and he went to them and, and he said, how do we do this? We can set up more drive-through sites. We can, we can give more vaccines to the hospitals uh, or we can use the publics. And, and it was actually the mayor uh, the Democratic mayor of Palm Beach County that said, let's do the public's option because 90% of our seniors are within a mile and a half of a Publix. And I've never been down to Florida, but uh, I know you've spent some time down there, Keith, and Publix, um, I'm, I hear, is a big deal. Publix is the go-to grocery store and pharmacy. Yeah. There, there are more Publixes in Florida, I bet, than there are CVSs. We don't know Publix as well, but Publix is the number one grocer pharmacy kind of place. Yeah, and so it would make only common sense to use them. Yeah, and so 60 Minutes ran this piece to make it look like DeSantis was getting mad and, and, and yelling at this, uh, this news person, this journalist, 
for her accusing him of this pay-for-play. You know, the Publix gives the donation, and then they get the chance to get the vaccine, and that was nothing nothing close to the truth, but they've definitely spun it up to be like that. Well, I think you were talking a moment ago, they did creative editing, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what NBC did with the uh, General Motors pickup trucks. And this is the problem, is if mainstream media is a business, it's a business that is mistreating its customer, the consumer, the viewer. And most businesses, when they mistreat their customers, lose their customers. Their customers go elsewhere which is where Fox News and other news outlets came from because people are tired of these biased news people who, who are really just editorial people posing as journalists. You know, the irony is about 60 Minutes. Is 60 Minutes said that NBC should have fired those reporters in 1990-ish or 93 for fixing the uh, crash, and yet they themselves have done something similar with Ron DeSantis. So yeah, that opens a door for people like Fox News and other alternative media. So would you be recommending Fox News then? No, I'm not endorsing any any channel over the other channels, so no, not necessarily. And I also noticed that recently, I think in the last year or two, Disney purchased Fox News, and Disney owns ABC, and we know all about ABC. What I am saying is it's necessary for the thoughtful consumer of news to explore other resources. I would say that Fox is more honest about differentiating between its opinion staff, like uh, Tucker Carlson, and its news staff, like Chris Wallace. The other networks don't do that, and I think Lester Holt is a prime example of an editorialist posing as a newsman. Now, I hardly ever watch Fox News, maybe at most once a month or less, and I almost never watch their opinion, folks. That's not how I get my news. Okay, so that doesn't necessarily sound like uh, the best endorsement for Fox News. So what exactly are you saying we should be doing here? And, and, and don't misunderstand. I'm not beating up on Fox News. I would trust them more than I would trust most, but I don't trust any of them as the ultimate source of my news. Scripture warns us in Proverbs 18:17. The first one to make his case seems right until another comes along and examines him. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament talk about not receiving a charge or an allegation against somebody without at least two or three sources, two or three witnesses. And I'd make the same application to how you get your news and what you rely on. You know, you, you cannot rely on the, on the media like you once could, the so-called legacy media. It's almost funny. Uh... Most people don't know this name anymore, and you could Google the name Edward R. Murrow. He and a guy named Fred Friendly, I know that's quite the name, right? They pretty much founded the news division at CBS News decades and decades ago. And Murrow once said that every journalist who offers his own opinion should ring a bell when he does it to warn the listener that he's not reporting but editorializing. Now, Murrow's been dead for a long, long time, and the editorializing began in the 60s with people like Walter Cronkite, again, long dead. In those days, there were no alternative means to, as First John says, by way of analogy, to test the spirit. But there are means to test the spirits today to see if they're telling the truth. So what would you say those means are today, Keith? Well, Fortunately, we have the rise of alternative media platforms and also so-called citizen journalists who provide us with a means to check the information we're receiving. And so we have them to uh, sometimes expose lying in the media. Well, that and we have uh, fact checkers, right? 
Yeah, but here's the trouble with the fact checkers. They're biased, too. You notice how they've all disappeared now that Trump is out of office. And I think we all know that Joe Biden probably doesn't tell the truth more than Donald Trump did. And you're seeing that Biden, like every other politician, will lie. So the so-called fact checkers are corrupt. And so what I would suggest is what I kind of do with my own sermons. When I prepare a sermon, I do as much of the research that I can do. And then I check myself against 10 or 15 commentaries. Now, I'm not talking about you getting a commentary on the news, but you can go online and look at 10 or 15 different sources. I check about 30 newspapers a week. I don't look at the same newspapers every day. I go online and I don't look at all 30 every single day. But I look at foreign newspapers, you know, because their biases are different. I look at a variety of American newspapers. I look at, I listen to four or five podcasts. I try to listen to both sides of the of the equation, and then distill down the facts and edit out their commentary. And where their facts line up with each other, I get a clearer picture of what reality is. Okay, so how about for the uh, normal people that? don't have all this time to read 30 newspapers and listen to four or five podcasts a day? What, so, they, what should they do? So, Mark, you're, you're saying I'm not normal? Well, you know, I'm not saying, but I'm saying. <laughs> Thanks for maintaining and enhancing my <laughs> self-esteem. No, seriously. Uh, what I would, let, me give, let me give a suggestion. I'll give two sources. One is called realclearpolitics.com, and it has a wide variety of newspapers on that page, and you can just click their headlines or their editorial headlines. Another site is called justthenews.com. They tend to report facts or tend to connect you to several different points of view. There's also a, a, a website, if I'm looking at news in the Middle East, called debka.com, D-E-B-K-A.com. These are former intelligence officers in uh, the Israeli Mossad, and they can give you a really good picture of the Middle East. I also look at Australian and British newspapers as well, and sometimes I'll look at English translations of other newspapers from around the world, whether they're Italian or French. But here's the deal. The first two should get you started. And if I could recommend a third site to go to, it would be Quillette.com. This will all be on our resource page, by the way. But this is a place to get started. You take these two or three sources, and you've got a good running start at being able to check what you're hearing. So for myself and maybe a lot of other people, uh, myself being a, a proper millennial, uh, I probably see most of my news come through social media. Yeah, you know, I was reading something like two-thirds of the people these days get their news from Facebook. And you know, Facebook's already got a reputation of like shadow banning or throttling uh, people down or, or limiting stuff, you have to be really careful. Uh, Facebook also, with its algorithms, will have you only getting information from people who think exactly like you. And, and it's good to have your, your opinions affirmed, you might say, but you also want to have your opinions challenged. You just can't really trust social media. And I'm glad you brought this up because a lot of people, I, I receive a lot of emails and texts from good people who are getting news events from YouTube or from editorial kind of YouTube websites, both. And, and the problem is, is I really don't trust most of these, whether they are conservative, liberal, or leftist. They need to be avoided. You remember towards the end of uh, 2020 and going into 2021, you had all these prophets slash pundits 
and all the QAnon prophecies about seizing voting machines and how the election fraud would be overturned. And there was hysteria about the coming tribulation period that we might already be in it and the Illuminati and all these worldwide conspiracies and all these weird predictions that were made were going to happen in January, February, and March. And here we are in April and none of it happened. These are wastes of time. And if I may say, wastes of mind. And here's where a little Bible reading and discipleship would go a long way for folks. Because we are, as Christians, to be discerning. We are, as it says in 1 John 5, to test the spirits to see if they're from God. Or, or like the Bereans did in, in the book of Acts, to check the scriptures, to search the scriptures to see if these things are true. You need to test your worldview, not against some conspiracy nut, or not against some trusted journalist. You need to check your worldview against the Word of God. And, you know, the idea that some people, you know, I've, I've had at least a dozen well-intended Christian brothers and sisters come to me about stalling the tribulation period, defeating the Antichrist. And we know what the Bible says. These things are going to come to pass. And if you're trying to oppose the fulfillment of biblical prophecy, you might find yourself fighting against God. Which really brings us to 2 Timothy 2.4. And there uh, Paul says to Timothy, No soldier involved in active service involves themselves in the civilian affairs so that he or she may please the one who enlisted them. Sometimes we're so wrapped up in this junk that we forget that we exist to serve God. We end up like Martha rather than Mary. You know, Martha was busy running to hither and yon, and Mary was seated at the Savior's feet learning, and Jesus kind of rebuked her and said, Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things, but you need to worry about the one needful thing which Mary has done, and it will not be taken from her. You know, God is sovereign. We have his word. We know what's going to happen in the future. We may not have the exact timing of it, but the point is, we need to redeem the time. We don't need to be filling our minds with poison and with junk. You know, the news is like the weather. And sometimes the weatherman gets the weather right, and sometimes the weatherman gets the weather wrong. But you still get up, and you still go to work, and you still go about your day, and you're not you're not sitting there paranoid, uh, frozen into inaction. So I just want to really encourage us to be careful to do the one needful thing, to keep the main thing the main thing. We exist. We are here to fulfill the Great Commission, and that's it. Everything else is window dressing, far less important. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like further resources, visit us online at www.gracetoliveradio.org and click the podcast resource button. If you'd like to ask me a question, I'd love to hear from you. I try to answer within 24 hours. Send me an email at keith at hillside.org. Uh, you can learn more about Hillside Church at www.hillside.org. You can watch our services online at forward slash services, or you can attend our services at 8, uh, 945, and 1130 every Sunday. Before we go, if you're listening on iTunes or, or Spotify or Stitcher or some other platform, give us a good rating. Share us with your friends. We want to expand our listenership so that we can help more people. This is Keith Crosby with Mark Stickler. Out of my mind, God bless you and keep you.